chapter nineteen of fuel of fire this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org fuel of fire by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter nineteen winter days the dying year is covered o'er with leaves and weeping nature for her children grieves the vicar and their bride went to italy for their honeymoon and did not come back until the beginning of december on their return they found that winter had begun earlier than usual and also with unwonted severity even for england and that it was finding out all the delicate people and numbering them with an accuracy which would have put the strictest census paper to shame by this time mr and mrs burton had discovered that all was not well with their elder daughter in spite of the apparently high spirits she so persistently maintained the same depressing conviction had also been borne in upon anthony and the trio were deeply concerned thereat not only was nancy thinner and paler than she was at the time of nora's wedding but the cold weather had endowed her with a hacking little cough which went through the hearts of those that loved her nor and her husband were shocked to see the change that two short to them extraordinarily short months had wrought in the once radiant nancy and mrs arbuthnot seconded her parents fears that there was something very wrong indeed with her sister nancy carried her head as high as ever and was as independent as of old of sympathy or pity but the vulpine gnawing must tell in the long run however great be the fortitude of the spartan boy or his equivalent and it was getting near to the end of the run as far as nancy's particular fox was concerned she had staked her all on one cast of the dice and had lost bereft of the one love of her life she was indeed bereft she simply could not live without lawrence baxendale that was the long and the short of it some women are made after this pattern they not only put all their eggs into one basket a most unscientific mode of packing they also find it impossible to sustain life without an adequate supply of eggs eggs being absolutely indispensable to their existence hence when the one basket breaks down as those single baskets are so prone to do there is nothing left to keep the starving creatures alive heaven help such poor fond souls for earth is apt to be too hard for them it is but fair to add that lawrence himself had no idea how hardly things were going with nancy if he had guessed that she was slowly dying for want of him nothing could have kept him away from her for underneath his somewhat strained scrupulousness the man was a true man and his love for nancy was of the finest quality but he was so little of a coxcomb that the notion that a woman could die for love of him never once entered into his head and he would have scorned it as an absurdity had any one suggested it to him there was another reason why he dared not yet return to poplar farm and that was his undying love for the said nancy and his fear that if he were brought face to face with her again all his scruples would avail him nothing and he should once more take her into his heart and swear that he would never let her go and this he had definitely decided not to do 
for let other people say what they would lawrence was fully persuaded in his own mind that baxendale hall had been set on fire by one of two persons either by his mother or by nancy these were the only two except himself who had any motive for doing this thing these were the only two as far as he knew who had access to the keys of the front door and the library and the house had evidently been fired from the inside and from the upper story and these were the only two who had ever suggested that he himself might commit the crime and this conclusion formed in his eyes an insurmountable barrier between himself and nancy if lady alicia were guilty then his mother's shame was his and he had no right to ask any other woman to share his dishonour if on the contrary nancy were guilty then he was ready to lay down his life to shield her good name but he was not altogether prepared to exchange it for his own baxendale had not as yet gauged the overwhelming force of human love in general and of his own in particular but he had gauged it sufficiently not to want to be brought into contact with miss burton just then so he kept out of temptation's way there is no doubt that he was sorely to be pitied to feel certain that either one's mother or the woman whom one loves has been guilty of a dishonourable act of a crime in fact in the eyes of the law is not a conviction belonging to the peace of any man's soul even of the most callous and unscrupulous and lawrence baxendale was neither unscrupulous nor callous so that the bitterness of this conviction was to him as the very bitterness of death when the vicar and his wife were sitting at breakfast one morning not long after their return to tetley the maid brought in the card of dr arrowsmith one of the silverhampton doctors what on earth can he want said michael looking at the card let's have him in and ask him nora suggested it will be the simplest way of finding out just as opening one's letters is so much simpler than trying to guess from the postmark who they come from yet nearly everybody tries the latter method first shall we have him in here asked the vicar doubtfully of course i want to hear what he has got to say but dearest the breakfast is all about that doesn't matter he must know that even clergymen eat sometimes especially as he is a doctor still darling he may not wish you to hear what he has got to say oh michael what a fussy old maid you are i can't think what induced me to marry an old maid possibly because the old maid happened to fall in love with you suggested the vicar that must have been it nobody but old maids ever did fall in love with us worse luck lawrence baxendale is an older maid than you are a younger man i know but an older maid he fell in love with nancy and i can't keep count of how many others have done it besides it seems an old maidish trick that they fall into but what about dr arrowsmith nora said the vicar again looking at the card i've told you go and bring him in here if you don't i shall have to fetch him myself michael did as he was bid kissing his wife as he passed by her chair on his way to the door though how his wife's chair came between him and the door considering that his chair was just in front of that egress and his wife's at the other end of the room it is difficult to understand still it was only on a par with his having maintained in former days that the nearest way from the church to the vicarage at its gates was by wayside a mile and a quarter distant evidently mr arbuthnot had not the bump of locality many men especially young ones are similarly lacking he was by no means peculiar as nora had bidden him her husband brought dr arrowsmith at once into the dining-room 
i'm so sorry to trouble the vicar thus early in the morning mrs arbuthnot began the letter shaking hands with nora but i am aware that a man called rufus webb is a parishioner of his and a remarkable man too yes replied nora he is quite a character everybody knows him about here i hope you do not bring bad news of him added her husband i do mr arbuthnot the very worst i fear that i could bring webb has been knocked down and run over by a heavy dray and is now dying in silverhampton hospital where he was taken immediately after the accident nora's pretty eyes filled with tears oh how sad how dreadfully sad when did it happen yesterday afternoon at first we hoped that we should pull him through but this morning it is quite evident that there is no hope of his recovery how came a dray to run over him asked the vicar the streets of silverhampton are not generally so crowded especially in an afternoon that there need be any danger in crossing them he says he was so dizzy that he did not see the dray coming till it was upon him dizzy what made him dizzy a big strong man like that ought not to have been feeling dizzy said nora was he ill do you think no mrs arbuthnot he wasn't ill but i am afraid he was hungry and the doctor's voice was a little husky hungry cried michael rufus webb hungry i knew that he was poor but i hadn't an idea that things were as bad with him as that he was dying of hunger said dr arrowsmith the vicar's lip trembled good heavens and i never knew what a blind fool i have been he has evidently been starving for some weeks continued the doctor and that is why he has no strength to rally from the accident a man in better condition would soon have recovered from such injuries as mr webb has received but he is so sadly weakened by want of proper nourishment i might say by want of any nourishment that there is not the slightest chance of his recovery poor mr webb poor poor mr webb exclaimed nora who was fairly crying by this time he cannot live many hours and as he particularly desires to see mr arbuthnot i came at once to fetch your husband i gather that he has some sort of confession to make as he keeps saying that he cannot die with an unconfessed sin upon his soul the same thought flashed simultaneously through the minds of michael and his wife as the same thought so often flashes simultaneously through the minds of two people who perfectly love and understand each other the thought that the mystery of the burning of baxendale hall was about to be solved and that at last lawrence would feel himself free from any shadow of suspicion and be at liberty to take the money and marry nancy and the thought filled them with joy for the sight of nancy's pinched face upon which time was already beginning to write lines which told a sad story of faith disappointed and hope deferred and love unsatisfied was a sight which cut both the vicar and his wife to the heart but aloud they only said how grieved they were for rufus webb's misfortune and the vicar made himself ready with all speed to accompany dr irasmith to the hospital it is as much as we shall do to get there before he dies the doctor said god grant that i may be in time to hear his confession murmured the vicar and nora from her heart echoed her husband's prayer End of chapter nineteen